Nothing. Nothing but. Nothing but net. Net, net, net. Welcome to Nothing But Net, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. Before we get into the meat of today's show, let's recap on why there's so much interest and buzz around net, net, net properties. Triple net properties are commercial real estate investments where the tenants, usually brand name corporations, pay you rent every month. Can you say mailbox money? In addition, they pay the real estate taxes, insurance, and maintenance for the property. No toilets, termites, or taxes. What's not to like? You can remember what net, 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 or triple net stands for by using TIM, Taxes, Insurance, and Maintenance. With triple net properties, there's lower risk income and cash flow because rents are guaranteed by strong credit tenants. Preservation of wealth because rent increases and property appreciation are bulwarks against inflation and a great store of value. Tax efficiency. The government wants investment in commercial real estate, so they provide inducements through depreciation and deductions which shelter income from taxation. Tax deferral, which gives potential for infinite tax deferral with 1031 exchanges, which are very popular in the triple net space. Triple net properties are a tangible asset, and as Mark Twain once said, buy land, they ain't making any more of it. Hello and welcome back to the Nothing But Net podcast, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, joined by our co-host, as always, Michael Flight. Very much looking forward to today's conversation, which is focused on getting started in commercial real estate, whether you're a young professional in college, a successful professional, maybe even later in your career, and you know you want to go and bring your business or your life into this sector. That's what we're diving into here today. And Michael has really sourced some excellent individuals to join us, some rock stars. And so without further ado, before I you know, kind of introduce everyone, uh, Michael, how are you feeling about today's conversation? I'm feeling great about it, Adam. And the sourcing was relatively easy because it's either people that have worked for me or currently work for me. So I didn't <laughs> have to go too far. And I really have enjoyed working with all you guys. And the change is, is that I'm going to do the introductions because, and I'm going to do the interview because you're going to be one of the interviewees. So we'll start off with youngest and then work our way to oldest since I'm the oldest. So we'll start off with uh, Timmy Douglas. And Timmy is a senior at uh, Davidson College in North Carolina. And he just passed his real estate brokerage exam. And so he is going to be a newly minted Texas real estate broker in the Austin area. So Timmy has been working with us for a few months now. And he's not only been doing marketing, but also uh, acquisitions research and all kinds of other things. And what really stands out about Timmy is that Timmy actively like worked his way into my life and, and into Adam's life and connected with us and made himself useful. So, and I can't say that, or I, I have to say that I cannot regret being associated with Timmy. He's one of the hardest working guys in show business. And then the uh, next person who insinuated himself into my life is uh, Adam Carswell. And Adam, you're 29 now? I just turned 30 last week. Okay. 30, yeah. 3 -oh. So uh, you didn't tell me that because I would have gone up to Newfoundland to uh, party with you. 
So it's, it's worth the trip. Coming soon. One thing about Adam as part of his biography is uh, he just disturbs me when we go out to bars because he orders a white <laughs> Russian. So, but other than that, Adam has been working with me for three years. Adam reached out to me. We met at a live conference and then I like to call him Mr. Consistency and Mr. Follow-Up because he just put himself into my life again and made himself useful. And also, it didn't hurt that he has this insanely wide network of people all over the world. And it's been just a phenomenal thing. And he has helped us magnificently put together this podcast because without him, the podcast would not happen. He, uh, number one, is the voice of liberty. He is also the voice of Liberland. And he's the voice of the Next Level podcast. Is it Dream Chasers? I'm sorry. Dream Chasers, yeah. But we talk about Next Level all the time. So Okay, I, I do apologize because I've actually been <laughs> on the show. But, but, the uh, Next Level Nugget is what we do on a daily basis for the most part. So I could easily see anyone calling it the Next Level podcast. You're, got you're it. So, and then uh, through his contacts, and, and somebody told me yesterday that I should never, ever bring up the term Liberland in a business meeting, especially with um, high-powered money guys. But uh, through, <laughs> through his association with Liberland, uh, he's also gotten way more interested in crypto and security tokens. So uh, he's been an unbelievable asset in terms of introducing me to people in the security token space that have really, you know, just drawn huge uh, benefits to that. And then I don't want to call him the old man in the room, but uh, John Kenny started out as an intern for me. And the unique thing about John or the unfortunate thing about John is he graduated from completing his master's degree in real estate at DePaul University. You've got your undergraduate from Oklahoma University, correct? University okay. of Oklahoma, right. Yeah. And then he completed a graduate degree, a master's degree in real estate at DePaul University. And then you graduated in 2009 or 2010? Uh, 2000, it was actually 2008. Okay. So yeah, yeah. so it was right in the middle of a real estate recession. Yeah. Yep. Good timing. <laughs> So he came out and I was just fortunate to connect with him. He started with us as an intern through the DePaul real estate program. I don't know if it was fortunate for him, but uh, he got to learn a lot of stuff from us. He did not only acquisitions, but he was kind of a jack of all trades. He did learn about leasing for us and just a number of things. John is one of the best analysis and model builders that I've ever seen in my life. Plus he has the knowledge to put it all together so he can take a look and, you know, take a look at a market and connect the numbers to the market, which a lot of people are excellent at numbers, but they don't understand the market. So I'm going to take a little bit of credit for that. But uh, for the most part, he came in fully ready to like start off and why I can't tell you how great it was working with you, John. It was fantastic. And then John has now been working for close to seven years, billion dollar real estate company. And he's director or um, vice president of due diligence for this real estate company. And you're not only acquiring shopping centers, but you're also doing a number of other type of stuff. So can you tell us what, a little bit about what you're doing, John? Yeah. So we actually haven't done a ton of shopping centers lately. It's everything from, you know, office to industrial, to storage, to manufactured housing, it really kind of runs the gamut uh, across all, um, you know, major asset classes in uh, commercial real estate. 
Yeah, and this is just incredible. I'm going to ask you, you're what now, 35? I'm a little older than that, unfortunately. I'm getting close to the 4.0 now. So. Really? Yeah, okay. I know. Okay. But you've probably been involved with due diligence and buying, you know, more than hundreds of millions of dollars of properties, correct? Yeah. I, I don't think I'm into the double digits in the billions yet, but <laughs> I'd say it's around 8 billion. Yeah. So it's just, like I said, it, it's incredible. Really just, you know, excited. And I just love being around guys like you and, and women like you with, you know, the young energy and stuff like that. It, it gives me a lot of energy. So Timmy, why don't we start with you? And why don't you tell the people, number one, what you're going to be doing after you graduate and how you got connected with me. And then I'm going to embellish on the story because I, I know you're pretty modest. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So what I'm going to be doing after I graduate, I'll be graduating May 11th actually. So we're going like 46, 45 days and just got my real estate license. So I'll be going into Austin, Texas, selling residential properties, shooting for a goal of 120 properties sold before the end of the year. That'll be me post-grad. Also be working for Liberty Real Estate Fund. And Michael, how I met you, it was actually through Adam and I met Adam through LinkedIn. And so I'm a big fan of the 10X rule by Grant Cardone. And Adam made a post about Grant Cardone and his 10X like kind of mindset. And I quoted that post because I was really getting active on LinkedIn because I knew I needed to network with people in the real estate space. And actually funny, how I connected to Adam, I believe, was through a podcast I was listening to. And I think Logan Freeman was on it. I don't really remember his name, but I connected That's to actually him. a bad, that's a bad start there, right there with that Logan Freeman. <laughs> Take it back. But who has better hair, Michael or Logan? That's the ultimate question. <laughs> we know Michael has better hair. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta say that he's paid by me. So yeah, connected to Logan, saw Adam's post, quoted Adam's post with my big goal, and then um, had made Adam reach out to me because I, I think he saw some of himself in me. And then we got to talking and we scheduled a meeting right there. And we were like, hey, let's talk um, so we can talk about your goals and everything. And me and Adam had that conversation. I kind of told Adam I was looking for uh, work for the semester leading up into my uh, post-grad life and Adam pulled Michael on the phone within like two minutes of talking to me. And we had, this was like a nine minute conversation <laughs> and Michael comes on the, on the call and me and Michael get to talking and then just following up with Michael and now I'm working for Liberty. So I, I want to stop right there because I want people to understand, especially I'm hoping some young people listen because it's going to be a theme here. You took action. So you were found by doing something proactive. And I want to say this because I, you know, not only do I have kids that are around your age and I'm not, you know, complaining about my children, but uh, I I just keep telling them, it's like you guys, and I, I have two sons need to go out and do things and, you know, make yourself noticed by people, especially if you're going to be looking for a job. And um, fortunately, my older son got a very good job. But I tell everybody this, everybody that I meet in college right now, it's like, if you are a junior in college, and even when you're a, a freshman, you should be on LinkedIn, you should be doing some stuff, you should also be doing some sort of like articles and stuff to differentiate yourself, so that you've got a body of work that says, I've actually looked into this, you know, subject, and I'm, I'm doing something. And that that's also going to help carry you on through the rest of your 
career, because as we've talked about before, Timmy, you know, doing the stuff that you need to do to make sure that people can find you once you start doing real estate in Austin. So, but go on, I interrupted you. Oh, and tell us which company so that people know where to look you up. Um, what company are you going to be working with? Yeah, I'll be working with EXP Realty and their international brokerage. If you're looking to join, let me know because um, I'd love to help you onboard. But yeah, that'll be me, post-grad real estate agent at EXP Realty. And I'll still be working for Liberty Real Estate Fund, hopefully, if Michael doesn't get sick of me. So uh, Right now, Timmy's just doing fantastic work for us in marketing. So uh, we love what he's doing. And uh, also, he's been picking up some of the slack because we've got a, a very big acquisition pipeline. And, you know, he's been helping us out uh, under pre-underwrite some of the deals for us. I want everybody to get a basic knowledge of how to analyze a deal, how to, you know, go through it and, you know, just to get an idea from different markets. So I, I just think even if you're going to be in residential real estate, you're going to do something, you know, else in your career, it never hurts to, to figure out how to underwrite a deal and how to analyze a market. So next we're going to go to the... Um, well, now he's uh, in his 30s, so the triple decade man, Adam Carswell. And uh, Adam, why don't you describe uh, you know, what your process was to, to getting a job? And Adam is not only works for me, but he also works for Hunter Thompson at uh, ASIM Capital. So uh, he has just got this huge network and he's got access to a, a bunch of you know, really smart people, much smarter than me. So uh, Adam, tell us about, you know, what you say to, to differentiate yourself in the real estate market. It's funny that you uh, you say that I'm, I'm much smarter than you. The first thing that comes to mind is actually, I don't know if I ever shared this with you, but I remember when I was getting ready to start working with Concordia and Liberty Real Estate Fund, I let Hunter know, I was like, hey, you know, I think I'm going to start working with Michael Flight. What are your, you know, what are your thoughts on that? And I just remember Hunter going, that guy is really smart. And that's like all I needed to know or hear from Hunter to know, okay, this is probably the direction I should go. <laughs> and then I also want to highlight, you were talking about teaching Timmy how to, how to underwrite and how that's just a valuable skill to learn if you're in this side of the business, or even if you're in residential. I was thinking back to when I was learning how to do lease abstracting with Jason Ricks and, oh man, that was so much fun, right? Good old lease abstracting. <laughs> but it's one of those things that in this side of the business, it's like, Hey, I can say that I know how to do it now. So thank you, Michael. The way I got started looking back on it, I was a realtor with Remax at the time, living in the Washington DC area. And uh, I had just quit my W-2, which is something that, you know, it, it wasn't easy to do, but I kind of looked at it I'm like, it'd probably be easier to do now at age 26 than it would be at 36. So I did that. And then all of a sudden found myself without a paycheck, but a bunch of time on my hands. And you know, probably didn't have as good good of a plan as I should have looking back on it. But, you know, you just jump in the deep end, you learn how to swim. And uh, one thing I was doing with my spare time was listening to way more podcasts than I ever had before. Came across Hunter on a show, followed up with him, reached out. Next thing you know, I'm going through his mentorship so program. You, you which, heard his podcast first and then reached out for, to him. Correct. Yeah. It all started by hearing him on a show and reaching out to him. So as Michael said, guys, you got to be proactive. You have to take action. Like you, you, like what's the worst if like Hunter never got back to me? Like, okay, like just move on. I guess something can be easier said than done, but that's the mindset you have to have. But you ended um, up helping him produce his podcast, correct? You're kind of like sometimes the behind the scene guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right now I did help in some ways with uh, the production of the show. And then now in the sourcing of guests and, you know, it's light, but I'm involved. So, you know, I, I can say that I do <laughs> help produce the show, but anyways, you know, working with him, 
we you know went through the mentorship program that he teaches and now i help administrate that's what i do with with hunter is help manage our um, educational platform he's like hey do you want to go to a conference with me in vegas this was like a month or two after i graduated from the program he's like, we're going to go represent the company let me know if you want to come and in that moment i was like you know that's like i use the reference it's like michael jordan uh saying hey i need a fifth player on my team you want to come play i was like yeah where do i sign like let's go by the way michael flight has actually met michael jordan before so, fun fact so anyways go to this conference would not remember me but <laughs> I and, and i went to high school with doc rivers so there you uh, go. he also would not remember me and, and yeah so i'll never forget meeting michael and his son who you referenced earlier sal at this conference and um, it's funny, actually, Sal and I, Michael's son, we clicked. I didn't really, I spoke to Michael a little bit, but not a whole lot. And then so time goes by. Still well, I, I need to also say that Adam ingratiated himself with my wife. So my wife really liked Adam. So Mama Mad, shout out <laughs> to Mad. She, she's hilarious. She's so funny. And she was like fame. We, when we went to Freedom Fest, I went with Michael the following year and she was like one of the most famous uh, people there because she got up on stage and like voiced her opinion in front of like the whole crowd. And I was like, is it you know, your, your wife was just on stage? And Michael no, like, no. She was famous because the moderator was trying to get her off the stage and he was reaching for the microphone and she just like <laughs> hugged him and then just kept talking and kept the microphone. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't get off too. the stage. <laughs> she does your she gives michael his haircuts too she's a very good uh good at that. so um that's why he's, he's got logan beat so anyway enough enough of the fun and games let's keep it moving here yeah met michael or met sal and then i had my podcast going at the time and so we met in the spring of 2018 and then around summertime 2018 i had sal on dream chasers or as you know as we referenced earlier kind of the next level podcast and I think that's when, like, I kind of flash back on your radar, Michael. I'm not sure, I'm, but I feel like having Sal on the show, you guys probably listened to that. And then about a month later. No, you didn't flash onto my radar because of that, but keep going. <laughs> you keep, like, ascribing the fact that, oh, I got Michael's son on my podcast, so that's why he hired me. It, it wasn't the case. Uh, and I'm going to keep telling the story over and over again. You then followed up with me and said, I'd like to talk with you. And then you followed up with me and started adding value. So I, you know, appreciate you having Sal on the podcast. I really wasn't sure what you guys were talking about because, you know, Sal really wasn't employed and all the rest of it. And um, it, it gave him a, a really nice experience to say he'd been on a podcast. But uh, it was really more about you contacting me than following up and then saying, these are the things that I do. Yeah. And that, that's exactly what I did. Um, I was going through a transit life transition where I had the opportunity to work remotely full-time if I could find someone like Michael to work with alongside what I was doing with Hunter. And slowly but surely, Michael started delegating more tasks to me and teaching me more and more. And, you know, I guess he liked me enough to keep me on for three years now. And I just got to say, like, since being connected with, you know, we referenced Hunter earlier who introduced me to Michael and then meeting Michael and this the team here at Liberty has there's not enough words to describe how grateful I am and how exponentially it's just grown my, my network and my reach and my future. So we're in a really good right, place. But I, right I, and then we'll, we'll come back to you, but I, I'm just going to say also that you're being proactive and deciding to do a podcast. You've met people from all walks of life. And then the other thing that Adam did and um, you know, 
some of his initial podcasts were questionable, but <laughs> you've probably been on like a thousand podcasts as a guest, right? Yeah, I never thought of it that way. I mean, it's probably somewhere between 500 to 1,000 like speaking gigs or whatever you want to. Yeah, because he, he was just showing up for podcasts and, you know. <laughs> Some of the stuff, it's like had nothing to do with anything that he was doing, but he's just there on a guest. But I, I got to say, it, it's one way to get your name out there. So I'm I'm not criticizing him. It's just uh, incredible. We're on a podcast and then, right now. <laughs> yeah. And, and then the other thing that's most memorable to me is I uh, brought Adam with me to his first International Council of Shopping Centers meeting in Vegas. And John, you've been to ICSE, right? Oh, yeah. A number of times. Yeah. So I brought Adam out there and Adam flew in from Canada and then, you know, went to Cleveland and then flew direct, or I think he flew in directly from Canada, but he shows up first day and uh, in the morning realizes that he doesn't have any clothes. So he didn't have a suit. He didn't know he was supposed to dress up. Probably, you know, I probably should have mentioned to him what he was supposed to wear. And he probably should. I, I thought he would just know that you're supposed to show up in a suit. So this guy goes over in the morning, goes and buys like a sport coat and some dress pants at Goodwill. I wore this shirt intentionally today. I bought this <laughs> in Las Vegas. <laughs> so anyway, let, let's get into John, because John, sure. you took a little bit more of a traditional career path in that you uh, studied business in Oklahoma, and then got a degree in real estate from DePaul. Yeah. Uh, but what were you did to make yourself uh, attractive to employers? Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I graduated from the University of Oklahoma, as you said, I moved to Chicago, you know, my brother was living here at the time, I had a couple of friends, you know, I knew I wanted to get out of Oklahoma, see something new. I thought Chicago, fine, sounds good, fun place, right? not knowing if I would be back in Oklahoma the next day or, you know, all these years later, I'm still here. So I didn't have a large network here, but I did, um, you know, some networking to some friends, had a mutual connection. Uh, it was a group. They were just starting up a, a fund. They were buying residential assets around the city of Chicago and, you know, didn't have money to employ or bring somebody on. But I said, guys, you know, what do you need? I'm willing to help out. And so, you know, I started doing things like, you know, posting uh, for rent ads online or putting together investor booklets. I mean, anything and everything. And I did this for four or five months, got my realtor's license under them. And they also taught me how to run their model. You know, I, I got to be pretty good at, and then eventually they, they were able to bring me on, you know, and pay me a salary, but I knew I wanted to do more. So I thought, well, you know, the next step, I'm going to go back. I'm going to get my master's at DePaul. They have a great real estate program. You know, this sounds great. So I did that. And so I graduated. Actually, it was like, the, I think it was December of 07 or January of 08, somewhere, somewhere in that time frame. And then, you know, as we discussed, the, um, the Great Recession happened and not a lot of people, I should mention prior to this, I had been interviewing getting ready to come out of school. I, I had, you know, high hopes. I had some really good leads uh, and I had a lot of people get back to me and say, sorry, we, we have a hiring freeze. The real estate world, the financial markets were, were standing still. And so again, four or five months after I graduate, I'm still looking for something, come across the posting for Concordia and started working for you, Michael, I guess part-time in the summer or thereabouts. Yeah. And I just want to say that we you know, as a tradition, have always exploited people. And uh, with John, we really exploited him because 
way be, he would have been way beyond our reach if it hadn't been in a recession. And so we were able to, to take him on and um, hopefully he got some benefit of, you know, learning and, you know, making some money and, and all the rest of it. And then even at that time, though, John, you had also invested in and, uh, you know, owned some properties on the side, correct? Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I, I worked for a couple of gentlemen who were, I mentioned, running this residential fund and they'd raised some pretty good money. And in doing that, I met a lot of people that were in the business, whether it was realtors or lenders or contractors, just people who came across distressed assets, right? And, and I thought, well, I can do this too. So I raised a little bit of friends and family money and, and we bought a few assets, distressed assets, fixed them up, rented them out. And um, so, yeah, yeah, we're doing that as well. I'm going to interrupt you. You were at yeah. that time, what, like 23 or 24? I was, yeah. Yeah, so you're mm-hmm. buying stuff at 23 and 24. Yes, I was. Now, yeah. I'd say I'd like to be much better at it today, but you know what? It was a great experience because I learned a ton about what to do, and, and I also made some mistakes that I learned a lot from as well. I'm going to tell you one of the biggest mistakes was introducing your buddy, William, to me because I can't <laughs> get rid of him now. <laughs> yeah, he's he's tough to get rid of. That's for sure. I can't either. He's like the nicest we gotta, guy. We got to know a little bit of the backstory. Who's William? He's the nicest guy in the world, and I love him. But he's also the uh, bane of my existence. So, <laughs> so he does uh, maintenance and just about everything else. He's a a gentle giant. You know, he fills up the entire door. I think he was a spare bear when they had the strike. Yeah. So he is a a giant gentleman. And uh, he's done just about everything for us in terms of, uh, you know, when it comes time to demolition, dirty work, kicking tenants out, or, you know, just being there to show up. But uh, like I said, sometimes it's difficult to be his friend too. (laughs) Yeah, he's a unique uh, character, that's for sure. (laughs) So anyway, why don't we go back to how did you, once you were working with me, did you interview with a a number of different companies then to to get into a, a better paying position and also something that you could um, grow into? Sure. I, you know, I, I guess one thing too, I, you know, I'd point out about, and I think maybe you touched on this earlier, Michael, one of the benefits of going to work at you know, a place like Concordia, a little smaller, a little more entrepreneurial is, you know, I started out, Michael, I, you know, I need somebody to, to really do the modeling. And so I did that. Right. And then it was all of a sudden, you know, Hey, we've got this big shopping center, you know, value add project. Can you start helping us with that? Can you start doing leasing? And, and I look back at it today and I think it's a real, it's a real feather in my cap to be able to, to, you know, have on my resume that, you know, I've done leases with some of the the largest retailers out there, even though I'm not in leasing, you know, I have some experience with value add. I have all these things that I can look back to and, you know, that the skill sets I was able to really round out as a result of, of working for a group like Concordia. So you know, that, that's one thing, you know, to point out as well. But in terms of then looking kind of next level in my career, you know, you, you start to, I was looking around, looking for some groups that had, you know, kind of a bigger platform um, that I could grow into. And, you know, it, again, it took some time because, um, you know, the state of the economy and those things, but eventually found that. And, and I look at it now. So, you know, then I'm, I'm five years out from, the great recession. And, you know, I feel like I got out of the stumbling box slow or sorry, out of the starting box really slow, right? After I got my master's, then I looked at it and five years out and, and I'm working on, you know, somewhere around a billion dollars a year in a commercial real estate acquisition. 
And then you kind of extrapolate that out, you know, kind of 10 years later and, and, you know, somewhere around, done somewhere around or worked on, been an integral part of somewhere around $8 billion in acquisition. So we need to just stop. So yeah, go ahead. This guy's been involved with $8 billion of acquisitions. And, you know, I know that he's done just about everything. They, you fly out, you take a look at stuff, you underwrite, you talk with the property managers, you yep. integrate with the property managers because is Mike still working at the same place you're there or is he? No, uh, he's moved on actually. Okay. Yeah. But uh, I know that he works with the property managers because another guy that started out, you know, kind of in the same position as John was a property manager uh, at the same company. But, you know, you've had to learn kind of the whole business cycle. Yeah, you you really do. Um, And that's one of the interesting things about acquisitions and due diligence is you have to know a little bit about everything, whether it's, you know, the legal side, the engineering side, you know, the accounting side of things. Uh, You have to be able to model. You have to be able to read leases. You really, uh, you you know, understand markets, properties. So it's... um, you really need kind of a broad base of skills and um, you have to kind of be able to bring all those together to make the whole system work. So John's advice seems to be saying is, is that there's trade-offs with going with a, a smaller entrepreneurial company, but um, you're not pigeonholed into to one silo that it's hard to get out of at some point later on. Yeah, completely. I, I would totally agree with that. And, and I would say, you know, like my advice to younger people is, uh, you know, and I think you've touched on it with Timmy and with Adam is to look to where you can add value, even if I mean, it doesn't have to be you're adding millions of dollars of value. But even if it's something where you can go to someone like Michael at Concordia or, you know, someone running their own business and say, you know, maybe I can take this thing off your plate, this administrative thing that you, that you don't want to do or don't have time to do. Think about approaching people with, with how can I add value with I want to learn from you and how can I add value? Uh, you know, and I, I'm just going to touch on that and then we're going to talk with some of the other guys, but that's the biggest thing. I can't tell you how many, not only salespeople, but how many people that approach me on LinkedIn saying, I want to work for you. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want, I want, I want. And, you know, number one, I don't have the time. And, you know, most people out there that are in a position to hire you don't really have the time. And what I've always said, and this is what I keep telling my, my sons is, is that the best thing you could possibly do is expand your network. If you see somebody that you think is interesting and um, might be able to help you out, offer to buy them lunch, offer to buy them coffee and say, can I take you out and just talk with you a little bit about how you got to where you are? And I can't speak for women, but I can speak for guys. Most guys want to talk about, you know, how they did it. And if they don't have time, they don't have time. But uh, the other thing is, is that I've said this on a number of podcasts, you should always pay for the coffee or pay for the meal. Okay. Or at least offer. So you should be just because you're actually like getting free information. Sometimes the information will be really good. And then sometimes uh, the information won't. But you even if you don't actually end up going out for coffee with the guy, he at least has seen you or that uh, woman or that person has at least seen you. And it says, wow, this, you know, per, this young person has reached out and, you know, actually doing something different. So if it's not them. They might know somebody in their network that's looking for somebody, either as an intern, either as some sort of part-timer, 
or um, they might need somebody full-time right away. So the reason why I wanted to do this is because I know right now it's a tough time out there to get jobs. And there's a lot of seniors that are graduating and, uh, you know, they're looking about how am I going to get a job? You know, what am I going to do? And I would like, you know, to, to help people to say, you start right now. If you're in college right now, start right now and start making some connections. So with that, Timmy, I'm going to ask you, what's the best book you've read so far in your life? Best book I've read so far in my life. I'm going to have to go with either How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie or Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Those two uh, just really got me. How to Win Friends and Influence People like the communication and some of the, some of the concepts are so simple yet. So many people do not do it. Like it, it gave me a small tip of like smile when you answer the phone and it makes you sound more pleasant, like little things like that, that can be, that can go really far, but are overlooked. And then thinking grow rich and um, also the power of positive thinking. Those three are kind of like on my like top list. I'll recommend them to anybody because your thought process is so either limiting or can really take you far. And so if you're like busy living in fear and you don't act and you're not proactive because of X, Y, or Z, like obviously you'll be stuck. But if you go out on a limb because you have that mindset of like abundance, then you can go far. So this is why I'm working with Timmy right now because how many 22 year olds have even like picked up those books or know about those books? And, um, you know, how many are trying to put them? And I, I can honestly say that uh, my dad had the original, one of the original. So it was this hardcover copy of the Dale Carnegie book. And I picked it up and read it, you know, probably in high school or college. And the, the one thing I do remember is the smile on the phone. You know, come across <laughs> is much more. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so good. So Adam, what's your favorite book to date? I know you read a lot. So, you know, can you, can you n- nail it down to any, you know, one? I'll, I'll do my best. I've, I've got, you know, like 10 well, what was a, in my head. What right was now. a book that you remember reading really early on in your career that might've like given you some direction maybe? Yeah, this is my red pill and you're going to chuckle a little bit because we talk about it all the time and, and how you got into real estate before anything like this existed. But uh, Robert Kiyosaki, who you've had the privilege of um, having dinner with uh, on the, the Summit at Sea, I read his book twice. And I think like mo- like a lot of people 30 and younger <laughs> or whatever, you know, that was the light bulb moment for me when I realized, okay, because I think I was on the fence. I knew I wanted to be entrepreneurial, but I wasn't sure if I wanted to like try and focus on tech or, or real estate. And so reading that book was like, okay, I think I'm going to go the real estate direction. What do you know? Fast forward only like four or five years later, I'm happy to be working on tech and real estate in our venture, Michael, which is awesome. I don't know if we talk about Liberty Fund at all today. Yeah, that. And then I'd say the one book I'm looking forward to reading the most is Netly Secrets by Michael Flight. It's coming very soon. <laughs> really knows how to butter up the boss. And I, I would say that you probably got your entrepreneurial bent from Mike Carswell, your father. Yep. He, uh, he's launched a few businesses throughout my life and yeah, very, I've gotten my entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit from my father and my mom is an artist too. So she knows what it's like to, to sell your, your own work, which is an entrepreneurial venture within itself. So blessed to have some fantastic parents. Fantastic. And, uh, John, is there anything Mm -hmm. early on in your career that, you know, kind of pushed you into real estate? 
You know, I kind of fell into real estate. I, I mean, I, I always was interested. I don't in, want to say I, nothing better to do. Okay. No, it wasn't. It wasn't that, <laughs> it wasn't that at all. I, uh, you know, I was always kind of interested, right? Because it, you think about how real estate really shapes, transforms it, it, our environment, right? The way we live. And it's also, you know, I, I was always kind of an analytical uh, finance guy. You know, I studied that in school. But the fact that real estate was kind of tangible and you could see it and it made sense to me as opposed to some other, you know, financial instruments really kind of pushed in that direction. And then, you know, I was, like I said, I was lucky enough when I moved to Chicago, I made the connection with uh, the guys who were in the real estate fund and um, started working for them and really fell in love with it and, and started doing it myself and then and made it a career. Fantastic. Is there any book suggestion that you've read recently or, you know, along the way that uh, had an impact on you? Yeah, and it's an interesting one. And, you know, I think of Outliers by Malcolm Gladwell. Okay. Which is, you know, because I think about it as in that, that book was the first time you really think about there are all these things or reasons you can come up with that why you shouldn't be something or, or you can't do something or, or this should be holding you back. And there were some interesting examples of people who had, who had kind of taken those things and, yeah, they were to their disadvantage, but had used them to their advantage. So I just thought it was a really interesting book. And you're a fan of the Beatles and, you know, them uh, spending all that time in the strip clubs in Germany practicing their craft. <laughs> yeah, 10,000 hours, right? Yeah, you were exactly. okay. Exactly. That's when I first heard about that thing, 10,000 hours. But That's Malcolm, why I love working for Michael, because out of nowhere in a podcast, I'll just talk about strip clubs in Germany. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I think uh, with that, Adam, we're, we're probably to wrap it, uh, ready to wrap it up. And I really appreciate uh, all you guys being on the podcast, really have great relationships with all you, respect you all very much. And I'm hoping that somebody looking to get into business or a little bit, you know, just into the business a little way can not only get some inspiration, but, you know, also some tips on, on how to get a job. Honored yeah. to be connected. Thank you, Michael. Uh, yes. Thank you so much. And before we close it up, Michael, actually, I do want to flip it back on you real quick. If you were 20 again, and you had to do this all over. You were proactive from what I know with your story too, but if you were 20 in 2021 moving forward, you know, what are your three most actionable steps for any of our listeners? That's really tough because, you know, I, I like to always point out that when I started, there was no internet. Well, there was an internet, but it wasn't actually usable for the, the public, <laughs> you know, DARPA net. Yeah, you know, there wasn't really personal computers. The personal computers, you know, I got my first personal computer in 1988 or 1989, somewhere around there, and there wasn't cell phones. So the amount of information material and things that you can get at your amount of education you can get is completely different than when I was starting out. But I think that, as I've said before, and I've said this over and over and over again, make yourself useful or valuable to somebody. I, I personally think that, number one, you should introduce yourself to people in your, you want to be like, and that you think you want to do. And also by doing that, you might find out that you don't want to be in real estate or you don't want to be in, if you want to be an engineer, you might decide you don't want to be an engineer because you might decide that this isn't the life for me. So I would recommend just talking with people in the industry that you want to get into. And my final thing is, and I, I've said this before, and it's, you can become very influential and you can also learn a lot about the business. So if you start producing your own content in terms of 
like for example, Timmy and I have talked about this, you know, doing information on, you know, what the best neighborhoods in Austin are, doing information on, you know, finding who the best contractors are. How how do you do this? Or working with a contractor or or anything like that. So if you can produce that type of content, it's going to like pay off for you later on because if people do a Google search on you, they're going to say, "Oh, well this person in college has already done research on this subject and knows a little bit about it. So, and what I've been trying to impress on my oldest son and to a a lesser extent, my younger son is the future is blockchain. So the future, if you are going to be in real estate, you better know something about blockchain because the entire financial system is going to run on blockchain rails. And so, and I'm telling you right now, Everybody that is in the financial business from JP Morgan, all the big boys. I was actually on a panel yesterday at a, the Security Token Summit, but at that summit, there was London Stock Exchange, Credit Suisse, JP Morgan, IBM, the even DTCC, which is the main clearinghouse for, for all stocks. They're all doing this because this is where the financial system is going. So if you are in real estate, especially commercial real estate, you better know a little bit about, you know, blockchain and just how the the financial system is going to change with it. So that's my advice. Fantastic. (laughs) Fantastic (laughs) advice. And I, I guess we should put this out there too. Again, any professionals, young professionals, any walks of life, if you're interested in in going this direction, and you've got some inspiration from this conversation. Uh, the best way to, to follow up and get in touch with anyone, Michael, I'm going to say hello at libertyfund.io. Would that be the best email? That'd be fine. And, okay. and if you're interested, don't contact me. I'm not interested in talking to you. <laughs> so yeah, email hello at libertyfund.io. Just put uh, something in the subject line, like getting started in commercial real estate. And then um, we'll get you connected with uh, John, Timmy, myself, Michael. It'll be a good time. So, all right. I guess real quick, though, I know uh, John and Tim, you guys got to say a few parting words, but I'll give you one more opportunity here. Um, We'll go in that order too. John, if if you had anything else you wanted to chime in here. Uh, No, I, you know, I appreciate the opportunity to to speak today. And, um, you know, I, I, the insights that Michael and Timmy and Adam, that that everyone was able to provide, uh, I think it was a great conversation. And, you know, again, I encourage anybody out there who's young, who's trying to get in the business to, to be proactive and uh, take your shots. Well, John yeah. Kenny, thank you very much for uh, coming on. We really appreciate you. Thank you. Yeah, similarly, I just really appreciate the opportunity to speak. And I love how much Michael emphasizes the small things of like proactive action because often it can go overlooked. And my last thing I want to say is one more book. The one thing, Gary Keller, have to read it. <laughs> you have to. That's all I got. And uh, that's a, a small shout out to Austin, Texas for you too there, Timmy. There we go. <laughs> I'll have to introduce you one of these days to Dr. Tom Burns, who bought one of the first books from Robert Kiyosaki. He bought one of the first Rich Dad, Poor Dad books. And he also plays guitar regularly with Gary Keller. So he's just an amazing guy. Yeah. Solid action there. There you go, guys. Magic of everything we're talking about in podcasting. So thank you for investing your most valuable resource with us here today, your time. This has been the Nothing But Net podcast, the podcast for commercial triple net real estate investing. I'm your host, Adam Carswell, who really the show was hosted by Michael Fight today. <laughs> Michael filled those mm-hmm. roles, or that role. So um, guys, thank you for tuning in and we will catch you in the next episode. Thanks a lot, guys. Mm-hmm.
Thank you once again for joining us here on Nothing But Net, the podcast for triple net commercial real estate investing. If you enjoyed what you heard today, one last friendly reminder to like, share, subscribe, or leave a review for us. It really helps a ton with the show's visibility. For the Nothing But Net team, I'm Adam Carswell. Take care. Nothing but The Nothing But Net podcast is not intended to provide legal, tax counsel, or accounting advice. Adam Carswell, Michael Flight, Concordia Realty Corporation, Liberty Real Estate Fund, LLC, and their affiliates do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice or the worthiness and promotion of any particular investment. This material has been prepared for informational purposes only and is not intended to provide and should not be relied on for tax, legal, or accounting advice. You should consult your own tax, legal, and accounting advisors before engaging in any transaction or undertaking. We highly encourage individuals and investors to seek the counsel of a qualified attorney as well as seek the counsel of a tax professional or certified public accountant to determine if there are any potential tax liabilities or consequences as a result of anything contained herein. All listeners of this podcast or video should understand that there are no guarantees of any success, outcome, or profitability of any transaction or undertaking expressed or implied and will not be liable for any financial or other losses or damages incurred as a result of any undertaking. Go to nothingbutnet.us for a complete set of disclosures. Thank you.